As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Barber <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak, gives off to Amos, and he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, unreal, Jordan back to kick, it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown Carolina for Bracey Walker, he blocks his second punt, and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14-13, Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker, Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey, guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm Anthony Pegnot, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Josh Marlowe. Buddy, uh, I would ask you how's it going, but we, we've we gotten five commitments in one day, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that we know what your spirits are like at this point. I've never been lower. Nah, that's a bunch of crap. This is about as high as I've been since maybe the the first defensive possession of the season against Cal. Um, really a, a solid, I'm not even solid, a great day recruiting for Mac Brown and company. Um, think about it, you bring in five guys in, in one day. That's, that's almost like a mini signing day, whatever you want to call it, because that's, that's a haul. For a, a staff that's not complete, not even close to being complete, um, two of the commits were we got guys to flip. One had actually committed to us before, mm-hmm. flip. Mm-hmm. Now he flipped back. And then we got the guy, of course, decommitted from App State, flipped and now to us. So, yeah, really a great a great day for recruiting for Tar Heel football. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to talk about each of the five guys. We'll break them down for you. The staff getting a little bit closer to getting figured out. Uh, You know, of course, there were some rumors last night as to the guys that would be hired at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Those spots do remain open at the moment, but there was a hire earlier today at another position um, that may excite some fans. And then, of course, we also have to get into a guy that will end up leaving the program in Brandon Fritz and uh, also Anthony Ratliff-Williams departing for the NFL. So we'll talk a little bit about those storylines, but we got to turn back to what we just talked about to open the show here, and that's the five commits in one day. You mentioned it. I mean, for Mac Brown, anybody that was really doubting what Mac Brown could do on the recruiting trail, including myself, 
Um, you know, it's 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 time to eat the words a little bit. I mean, let's be real honest here. Five in one day. Um, it's like you said. Uh, that's something that you just you don't see maybe outside of rec- uh, of signing day. I mean, I've seen days where you got guys or schools that are landing three guys. Maybe I mean, usually I think three is really the max that I've seen. Maybe four, but five in one day is ridiculous. And, um, you know, I mean, it's huge, especially with the early signing period coming up. I think that's probably why we saw the volume of guys that we saw flip, because they understand that the early signing period is approaching. And a lot of these guys, this is the new thing about the early signing period. A signing day in February, is it really isn't the big thing anymore. Honestly, I don't even know if they should have ESPN coverage for that. They need to have ESPN coverage for the early signing period because, Last year, that was when almost 75% of the guys signed. And it seems like that's going to be the same thing again this year. So what happened today was huge. It took this class from 91st in the country. um, And and I'm not sure because I haven't been able to do the exact calculations. But if I had to guess, I would say that this class is probably inside at least the top 65, maybe even a little bit higher up than that. Um, They may have, honestly, they may have gone from the basement of the ACC as well, all the way up to 12th. And we're talking about a 30 30 position jump in the overall rankings to get up that high, to jump two teams in the ACC. So, yeah, what a a day to say the least. And uh, I I think, you know, I I mean, you said it, and I I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about each one of them, but... When you look at it, I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that come in. I mean, who are the guys that, to you, just stick out and really excite you out of the five that we saw today? Um, you know, probably the guy with the most talents, Emory Simmons, the receiver. Um, I'm not going to say it's a need because the one thing that the Fedora staff did was recruit the skill positions as and, and stocked them with talent. But this is a guy that uh, – you know, with the, with the losing of Anthony Williams, you're going to lose production. Yep. You're going to be young in that in that part of, of your team. You bring in that kind of talent. Um, it certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, Kafari Brown, who, of course, Diami Brown's brother committed, kind of didn't help or kind of didn't hurt that, you know, his brother's already there. But this guy we got to commit to us that um, maybe wasn't a for sure guy. So really just, you know, then you got the defensive end. The uh, I got his name wrong. Really, we were talking about it. Was it is his Christian his, Varner? Yeah, because his Twitter is backwards. So I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, no, yeah, it is Christian Varner. And it's like you said, defensive end. That's a need on this for this team because the defensive line was just got so beat up last year. A lot of guys, you know, losing some guys to to graduation. Um, so yeah, really a solid day getting some guy getting more talent in one area and filling some needs in the other. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, of course, the morning started with the offensive tackle, um, Wyatt uh, Tunnell, I think is how you say his name. Um, again, we'll, we'll make sure that we get those pronunciations right um, as we go further along in the year. But I think it's Wyatt uh, Tunnell uh, who ends up committing. And uh, this is a guy that just pl- actually played in the uh, 3A state championship in the state of South Carolina yesterday. Uh, he was actually in the home of the team that he will face in the opener next year, the South Carolina Gamecocks, for a Chester 
uh, team that went undefeated 15-0. and um, And he was on an offensive line that was, uh, you know, part of a run-heavy offense. So when you look at this guy, really, I mean, that's what he's going to bring to the table. A guy that's a, a phenomenal run blocker, keeps his feet moving at all times, able to drive guys down the field very well, very athletic. It's very rare that you see tackles that are able to pull in space. Very, I mean, you got to be really athletic for them to pull you as a tackle because that's a lot of room that you've got to cover to be able to get into the holes that these running backs are going to try to be running into. Um, and they, I saw that multiple times on film from him. Does a great job getting out in space um, on, on screen plays to get the blocks that are necessary. And, you know, it just in general, a guy that I think has a lot of upside. A little bit small, he's going to have to put on some weight. He's 6'5", but only 270 pounds. To me, reminds me a little bit of the situation that we had with Charlie Heck when he first came in. Remember, he was a tight end. He was actually even smaller than that. Um, and most of the guys on our offensive line are 300 plus. So that seems like probably where they're going to try to get them at. I mean, I'm not 100% sure um, considering, you know, Mac Brown is going to do things a little bit different than Larry Fedora did them. But, I mean, when you look at the offensive tackles, William Sweet and Charlie Heck are two of the best players on the entire team. So getting up in that 300 area as a tackle is probably still a smart thing to do. One of the other things with him, I mean, you know, again, pass protection, it's going to be interesting to see just how good of a pass protector he actually is, considering he didn't have to do that that much in high school. And, you know, one of the other things that I noticed about him, and they'll probably hone in on this and correct this, he did get a little high with his pad level, which is something that you don't really want to see from offensive linemen um, when they get to the next level because that allows defensive ends to go lower and get around them on the outside. Um, dip the shoulder and be able to get past them. So we'll see if they're able to correct some of those little things. Um, but ultimately, I thought a good start to the morning, you end up getting a guy that, you know, yeah, is not an in-state prospect, but Chester is pretty close to the border of North Carolina. So good to get a guy like that and a guy that decommitted from App State. So still some talent there. Um, and, and it was the first commit of the Mac Brown era. That was the big thing. Um, now we thought, okay, first commit of the Mac Brown era, maybe we'll take a day or two and then we'll get our next guy. Uh, no, no. Later in the evening, they end up uh, officially flipping Emory Simmons, the wide receiver from Southview High School. Um, he, this is a guy that, you know, had been committed to Carolina at one time. And I, I mean, look, he, he's a great player. I mean, he's honestly, when I watched the tape on him a while ago when he was committed back in the summer, I thought this was the best kid that I've seen on tape out of anybody in this class. I mean, he is a borderline four-star guy. I think he's still listed as a three-star guy, but he is right there. Him along with Josh uh, Henderson, both of those guys are right now four-star or excuse me, three-star recruits right on the line of being four-star recruits. So I wouldn't be shocked if maybe as the process continues here. Um, I think they do have one more ranking that comes out before signing day. So maybe those guys move up just a little bit. But even still, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves on him. I mean, this year, 67 catches for 1,336 yards, 18 touchdowns. And that's after catching 55 passes for 997 yards and 12 touchdowns a year ago. I mean, the guy did everything. He was their kick returner the last two years, 25 kick returns for an average of 25.1 yards. 
And then the big thing that he added this year was the punt return ability. Averaged 27.3 yards per punt return and took three of them to the house. Keep in mind, he only returned 10 punts the, the whole year. So that's uh, that's that's pretty great. So, you know, when I, I look at him, um, I mean, he, you know, he's got good speed um, and he's able to turn on the Jets when he gets into the open field. Um, has the ability to make defenders miss in the open field, which is something that we've always liked under Larry Fedora. And look, you know, now that Larry's gone, that shouldn't change. That's the name of today's football. I mean, look at what's going on in the NFL with teams like the Los Angeles Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs. That's how they thrive and make their living. Um, One of the concerns for me was his ability to separate. He had to make a lot of tough catches um, despite having his uh, 4.47 speed. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to sort of, you know, maybe correct that a little bit at the next level. I don't think it should be too much of a concern with him. Um, but, you know, one of the things for him is going to be working through that depth that Carolina has. And look, it's going to be the same thing for Choffrey Brown, who comes in, four-star wide receiver. This guy is actually going to be the highest rated out of everybody. He's the four-star in this class. Uh, This is a guy that Larry Fedora had been on for a while but was unable to get him to commit. He comes up for the official visit with Mac Brown, and Mac Brown seals the deal. So um, just, I mean, it can't be said enough about how great of a job Mac Brown and his staff are doing right now. Those guys hit the road early, and they have been nonstop these first 12 days, and it is paying off huge. I mean, when you look at Choffrey Brown, a guy that, Throughout his time in high school, had a little bit of trouble staying on the field. Um, you know, his junior year, he didn't end up starting the year with the team because of injury. He wasn't out there um, until about midway through the season. But then this year, he only missed one game. Team was a lot better than they've been in the past because he was out there as much as he was. Holding 51 catches for 860 yards and nine touchdowns. And then uh, also a big guy in the kick return game and the punt return game. Um, you know, m- mostly kick returns, punt returns. He handled a little bit, but wasn't quite as effective. Played in a lot of games where there was um, some rainy conditions and stuff. I did call a good amount of his games this year through the school, uh, the broadcasting school that I go to. Um, but I mean, when he returned kicks, I mean, he had five kick returns, averaged 35.8 yards per kick return. That's pretty good. Um, you know, we, we saw his brother last year. I mean, he's got a similar skill set. I don't think he's quite as shorthanded. He had a couple of drops um, from the times that I saw him. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, look, this kid, the, the, he, he made some spectacular catches. He's got great speed. Open field speed is not a problem for him at all. Creating separation, not a problem for him at all. Running good routes. Not a problem for him at all. This guy's going to come in and make an impact. It's just how quickly is he going to make an impact and where is he going to make that impact? I think you could see him a little bit in the slot, maybe as Daz Newsom's backup. I, you know, again, there's a lot of guys in Chapel Hill right now at that wide receiver position. You mentioned it. There's a ton of you know, guys that will be left over from the Larry Fedora era that are going to stay there and make themselves a part of this offense as well. But both of these guys, I think, have a chance to make an early impact just because of the talent. And you get the kicker, Ben Kernan, who comes in, um, actually a punter, uh, I believe. He's going to be on a full scholarship ride. Um, A guy that learned from a former Tar Heel in Dan Orner. He was one of the biggest guys 
out of the state of North Carolina that was in his camp the entire year. Uh, played at Wakefield High School right there in Raleigh, so not that far away. That's a good one for the Tar Heels to get as well, going into Raleigh to get him. So, you know, a, a position that was pretty good with Tom Sheldon. This year took a step back with Hunter Lentz inconsistencies. So we'll be it will be interesting to see just how quickly a guy like Kernan's able to get in there because right now they don't really have another punter. Uh, the guys that are on the roster, I know uh, Matt Pakella is on the roster, um, as well as I think Nikki Solomon is a punter. One of the either him or. Uh, Mike Seltzer. Mike Seltzer is the other punter. That's right. Solomon is a kicker. So Seltzer um, and and um, now I'm blanking him. I get him. I get. I'm getting them all mixed up here. Um, Seltzer and not. Oh man. But there, there's a group of them. None of them are on scholarship. So it will be interesting to see if they're able to get in there. Also keep an eye on Noah Ruggles to potentially get some looks there as well, although he may end up handling the kicking, so it would be good if he could come in. And then the last commit of the day, as you mentioned, uh, is Christian Varner. Um, you know, we both took a look at his tape here right before um, we got on here. Uh, you know, I didn't really know a ton about him. Unfortunately, his stats are also not available online. But just from watching the tape, I mean, a guy that really is able to disengage blockers very easily, um, uses uh, really the combination of a little bit of power at times um really just uh, his smartness off the ball he's very quick off the ball and that allows him to get inside of some defenders um but really his ability to just use the swim move um you know able to duck under offensive tackles that's going to be something that could be huge on the defensive line a lot of times he was in that backfield making tackles for loss and one of the things that i, I think is the best thing out of what we saw is that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we saw from him wasn't even him as a pass rusher. It was him in run uh, defense situations. And that's something that we've lacked a little bit here at Carolina, especially from our defensive ends. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's able to come in and, and have an effect helping to stop the run, an area that, whew, Lord knows, we need some help in. So, um, I mean, at, at, you know, again, uh, five commits in one day and – telling there's still one out there man there's one out there that we know we want and he we you know mac has has been hitting the road so hard on this one i mean he's been there twice already in his time and that's here uh in indian trail at sun valley high school sam howell the four-star pro style quarterback who is currently committed to florida state still committed to florida state um, and when Mac Brown came in, again, a lot of people thought, okay, his recruitment might be over. They thought, okay, he doesn't really have the greatest relationship with Mac Brown, so Florida State should pretty much have him on lock. Well, now that is a totally different story. Walt Bell, who ended up offering him his first scholarship at Maryland uh, and then went to Florida State, that was when Howell committed was when Bell went to Florida State. Now Walt Bell is the head coach at UMass, so it seems unless UMass enters the race, which I don't think they are, I think Walt Bell kind of knows that he's going to go to a bigger program, that all of a sudden now Florida State is not quite in the same standing with Howell. Again, Willie Taggart visited earlier this week on Tuesday. Mac Brown came in on Wednesday with Tim Brewster and I believe Dre Bly was with them as well, which is huge because some people may not know this, but 
Sam and Dre have a very good relationship. Uh, they've been around each other for a while now here in the Charlotte area. Dre is one of the guys that is a huge supporter of Sam. So it could be that the tides could be changing just a little bit. I'm not saying that it's inevitable that he's going to flip, but this is probably the best standing that the heels have been in overall because with Walt Bell off the table, I really do think that Howell's going to rethink that just a little bit. Um, you know, right now, Florida State currently without an offensive coordinator, and one of the guys that they're looking at right now is Mike Sanford, who's the guy that's right now the favorite at Carolina. If the Tar Heels can land him first, that could leave Florida State scrambling a little bit. Now, they could end up with a guy that Sam is a little bit familiar with. Could be former head coach Larry Fedora, but... At this point, we're, we're, I don't know how real those speculations are. They could be becoming a little bit more real now that Hugh Freeze is at Liberty, which was one of the guys they were looking at at their offensive coordinator position. But um, we'll have to just wait and see on that one. But, you know, we were talking about it before the show. You know, you get the five guys today, and – Let's say if somehow they're able to add Howell. I mean, at this point, you got to be sitting here saying, man, we're in better standing than we were when Larry left, right? I mean, there was some concern, I feel like, from just about everybody that, hey, we're down to eight guys. It seems like it might be, you know, before today, it's, we thought maybe seven because it looks like the cornerback Keenan Johnson is probably going to flip his commitment to Georgia Tech. He's been all... All Georgia Tech on his Twitter for about two weeks now. He's going there for an official visit tomorrow, so I wouldn't be shocked. But, I mean, now, you know, if you're able to maybe get another guy in like that or maybe just add one or two more commits in general, I mean, you know, you, you got to be feeling really, really good about this class, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I came on here and told everybody once we hired Mac Brown, look, we're going to lose some guys. That's part of what happens when you have a coaching transition. But we're also going to gain more than what we're going to lose. And I think that's what we've done so far with the talent we've added today. You bring in a guy like Sam Howell, that completely changes everything because that's a prized quarterback prospect in this year's recruiting class. Um, could help you recruit really down the road to find guys to come play with him. So, yeah, I was never worried, uh, even though the, the commits got lower and lower because, I, you know, I understand the – what Mac Brown is, he always he never had a problem recruiting at Texas, so he has no problem right. getting the talent. Even though he took five years off, that still didn't worry me. When you bring in a guy like Tim Brewster, who's one of the country's best recruiters, that yeah, that know, I'm telling you at this point, like can we can we both agree that might be one of the best hires maybe in the whole country of this offseason? I mean, Tim Brewster is having a massive impact right now at Carolina. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, he's going to do a great job coaching the tight ends. Oh, yeah. But his main role in this program is to recruit. Oh, yeah. I and, mean, he's named the recruiting course yeah. for a reason. So, go find, go find me talent, the coach, and that's what he's doing. So, you know, I've said all along, I think, you know, we're going to look forward more maybe to, I know December's more the prize day for recruiting mm -hmm. now, I think, for us. I still think February is the long-term goal because you're still getting in and building these relationships. Right, right. But yeah. for any new coaching staff, yes. it usually is. February becomes huge. But I mean, you know, today I, was just they're, one of the, they're playing for this. They're yeah. playing for 
for uh, the deadline here in in December. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, this this uh, the sign, early signing period. Now remember, it is a three day period that goes the 19th, 20th, and 21st. But it's I mean the 19th. That is 11 days away, and right now we could be looking at a class that will be in better standing than the one that Larry Fedora left behind. And that would be with eight commits in the class just 12 days before the deadline. And they could still end up finishing that great. So, yeah, Mac Brown, man, that is some impact they are having out of the gate. Anything else you really want to touch on on the recruiting front before we move on here? I mean, I think we could spend all night on this yeah, because we, we are just so pumped up for this. What a fantastic day. And, again, there are still a lot of guys out there to keep your eye on. We mentioned Howell. Um, one of the other guys is going to be the defensive end, uh, Ray. Uh, I think it's Vonchek is 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 his name. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, I I know that they were uh, in home with him. I think he might also be um, on the official visit this weekend. I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's on the official visit as well. But um, they have had a ton of guys come in, and right now telling you there are a lot of guys that are looking at this and saying hmm, there is something going on at Carolina I mean one of the main things about today three of the five guys that committed today were from the state of North Carolina one of them that committed in Varner was from the state of Georgia so it looks like Mac Brown you know while he does want to focus in state he's not going to just throw away those recruiting roots that Larry Fedora had established down there in Georgia. And I said on this podcast, that's one of the big things. Continue to build on the Georgia and Florida pipelines. Don't just let them go, but also add North Carolina back into the mix. And this helps huge. Um, You know, I mean, I'll ask you this one last question with this. You know, I I mean, we see three out of five guys committed in, you know, that committed today from the state of North Carolina I mean, right now, he, he's making a huge impact in the state. Do you think – how long do you think before he maybe ends up being the top recruiter in the state? I mean, is this – could this be by next year that yes. we're talking about Mac Brown is better yes. than than Cutcliffe or, or Dorn? Yes. Yeah, that's, to me, that's not a question. No other coach in the state has his pedigree, his track record, his amount of success at the highest level of the sport. Um He's already doing it now. I think you put in a year where, let's say, you go in and you 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 beat Duke and State. You contend. Like I think this team's going to contend for a coastal title next year. Mm-hmm. I think I think by next next recruiting cycle, he'll be probably second and third in line behind. You know, because of Sweeney and um, Kirby Smart have infiltrated the state recruiting wise. But for the guys in this state. I think by next next fall it'll be a Mac Brown. You know, every time I look around, he's at some other high school in the state. Right. Like, and he talked about that when he took the job. We got to get into these schools. We got to have an open door policy. You want to come here? That's fine. You know, that we and and he's just backing up his world. Look, we're we're going to be in your building. We want you in our building. It's an open door policy. You come here. We'll do whatever you want to make sure you understand you're at home when you're here. So. I mean, I'm firmly believe by next by next year that we'll be back keeping the top guys in state more than we ever have really since Butch Davis. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you could tell just right out of the gate. I mean, 
you could see just the coaches that are on on Twitter posting about both him and Tim Brewster coming to their high school, talking to him. And I think, you know, honestly, they're they're pretty much saying, look, Larry Fedora never did this. He he didn't really value the state really at all, um, which makes no sense. We we still don't understand that, uh, considering that this state has some of the best talent around, but. Yeah, no, I think they're doing a great job, and that's really going to help. And one of the big things is these guys that we're just talking about here, Emery Simmons, Choffrey Brown, and uh, Wyatt Tunnel, uh, or Tunnel, uh, whichever. I, we'll have to get the pronunciation on that for sure. But they will be at the Shrine Bowl of the Carolinas in Wofford Stadium next Saturday. So that is going to be a televised event. It's televised every year on, I believe it's Fox Sports Carolina. Um, right here, 6:46 for Direct TV. Um, everybody else, yeah, I, you'll just—I'm uh, not sure if it's on, what it is on Spectrum. I forget. I haven't had Spectrum in a little while now. But um, you know, that'll be a good chance to see them. Especially, I'm going to be interested to see what uh, what what Tanal does against um, you know a defensive line for the state of North Carolina. That's going to be great. I mean, we're talking about guys like um, the two state commits, C.J. Clark and. Uh, Joshua Harris, um, defensive ends. Uh, I forget the names that are going to be out there, but they, it was a good list. He, he's going to be tested. And I mean, the wide receivers, both Emory Simmons, a guy that was actually at the opening finals. So we know this kid's got a lot of talent. And then Choffrey Brown, who, you know, as a, a, a well-known name in the state, those guys are all going to be out there as well as Sam Howell will be out there as well. So that'll be an interesting event to check those guys out at. And that's the thing. In the last couple of years, we've maybe seen one or two guys out there that we've even been targeting. Now we can see guys that are committed out there in the state of North and, uh, of North and South Carolina. That's going to be huge. So um, we have breaking news on the podcast, by the way. Uh, do we have another one? No. Uh, Bateman has taken the job. Okay, so as not defensive coordinator. Not really a shock. I think you know we kind of all knew that yesterday. Um, then they kind of backed off of it. I think that was kind of maybe something from Jay Bateman saying, "Hey, can we back off of these reports? I still have a game that I have to coach against Navy." Uh, that's huge. I mean, we saw his defense today just swarming everywhere. Um, I mean, they're. Uh, guys that, you know, his, his main thing is, is tackle in open space. And um, that's something that we've really struggled with. They have, uh, Army has been an, a defense that has improved just about every year. I mean, I have the numbers right here on his defense. I mean, the first year, um, I mean, he even came in and made somewhat of an impact with a group that really wasn't all that great. I mean, we remember the days when Army was about as bad as it got at the FBF, at the FBS ranks. And, uh, I mean, just from in the last two years, um, I mean, he had, he, he's held opponents to under 21 points in all uh, three of those seasons. Uh, points per game, they've ranked in the top 30. Passing defenses, they've been phenomenal, phenomenal, uh, with 158.3 passing yards allowed back in 2016. That ranked fourth in the country. And again, another another statistic where they haven't ranked outside of the top 30 in that statistic. But stopping the run, this year was their big year. They allowed 106.5 yards. That ranked 12th in the country in comparison. Carolina doubled that number. So, 
man, this is a guy that I think Tar Heel fans are going to love. I mean, remember, we were sitting there in the in Hickory Tavern with our guys from WFNZ, and we looked up at the television. In the first half, Army allowed 39 total yards to Navy. That is pretty amazing. So um, it's it's definitely a guy, I think, to be pumped about. He's a guy that has, you know, a pretty decent recruiting uh, track record considering he's at Army. Again, it's totally different recruiting at Army because you've got to convince guys that, look, not only are you going to be student athletes, you're going to be in the military. So you, you've got to come in here. You've got to not only go to class and come to practice. You've got to be in in training. You've got to be at boot camps. You got to be. You got to go through all of that. And he has done a great job. He does have connections. The quarterback that played in today's game was one of the ones that he helped recruit out of the state, uh, right here out of Charlotte. Um, so, you know, he's got some recruiting roots here. So it will be interesting. I think he's going to come in. Um, and I mean, look, you could tell already. Mac Brown is going out and trying to make things happen defensively. That's a splash. That's a name. That's a name. That was one of the three names that was mentioned at the start. Gene Shizik was was his first guy that I think everybody thought. Greg Robinson was the other guy on the list. They you know they hired him. Is he is he even still on the staff? I don't know. Okay, so that's and and you know that was one where I think they they hired him and thought you know maybe this isn't really the right thing. Let's see if we can't go get Jay Bateman. And this one I I feel really comfortable with this one. So I guess with that. We might as well get into the staff additions. He's not the only one to be a h- hired today. They bring in their wide receiving coach. It looks like that's going to be Lonnie Galloway, um, who was at Louisville, a guy that was the uh, co-offensive coordinator there. Don't believe that's going to be the same role that he's going to be in here. I think he's just going to be the wide receivers coach. But a guy that, I mean, look, at, at, at Louisville, the track record pretty proven. They've had some guys that have come out of there and been – really good over the last couple of years. He was also uh, with West Virginia. We've known what they've done with air raid offenses out there and some of the receivers that they've produced. So, you know, this is a guy that is very proven and also does have some ties to the state of North Carolina, played his college football at Western Carolina and also was an assistant at one time at Elon. So again, he knows how to recruit this state just a little bit as well. So, I, I think overall, pretty solid hire there for the Heels. But then, yeah, Bateman. The other thing is now offensive coordinator, we're still – we haven't found our guy yet officially, but it seems like at this point they're, they're pretty close. Uh, I think Mike, Mike Sanford I think is ultimately going to be the guy. That's been the guy that just about everybody has been talking about now. Um, for a while, he's been the favorite for the job, really for I would say about two weeks now. Um, really, since Mac Brown came in, that was one of the first names that popped up. Of course, Cliff Kingsbury was the first. That was really just a pipe dream, and that's over because he is at USC. Um, David Yost was a name that came up, but he has followed uh, Matt Wells, the Utah State head coach, uh, to Texas Tech, so that he is off the table. Graham Harrell, of course, yesterday was the name that came up. It seemed for a minute at least that he was going to be the new offensive coordinator. Apparently, North Texas saw that, came back with a counteroffer and said, look, Seth Luttrell's probably leaving at some point. 
So we're going to give you the head coach in waiting opportunity. And with Mac Brown at Carolina, it seems like Mac Brown is going to be there uh, probably longer than uh, than Latrell is. I mean, I think we can safely say that. So, yeah, it looks like that's what they ended up offering him. He saw that as an opportunity to be a head coach and said, I think I'm going to stay here. Um, but Mike Sanford would not be a bad hire, of course, the former Western Kentucky head coach. Went nine and sixteen in his time at Western Kentucky. Not bad, um, but you know Western Kentucky was a team that, for a while there, was very good under uh, Willie Taggart and um, I, I forget the guy who was after him. Uh, Brom, Jeff Brom, uh, was after him as well. So they had back-to-back really good coaches. Sanford just didn't quite live up to the expectations that they had hoped, but has a pretty proven track record as an offensive coordinator, also a pretty good recruiter as well. So that would be a nice land for the Tar Heels. Um, I mean, at this point, I think, you know, I know you were a big Graham Harrell guy. You were really excited about that hire. At this point, I mean, it seems like he's off the table. Um, Sanford, I think, is probably the guy. I mean, I mean does, that's still got to be somewhat exciting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll still be pumped up. You know, when I first saw the news about Graham Harrell, it took me back to my early days of a college football fan. And, you know, I used to have a love affair with Big 12 quarterbacks. He was the first, just a guy who slung it all over the yard, you know, made the, the classic throw to Crabtree to beat Texas in that 07 to game. To beat Mac Brown. Yeah, so, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're going to make the right hire no matter who it is, whether it's Graham Harrell. Oh, I agree. Sanford, you know, maybe Larry Fedora stays as the OC. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, hey, look. <laughs> look. We had our awkward moment the other, which we got to mention this really quickly. They show all the guys that are there for, for Mac Brown. You know, all the former players that are there, the guys from App State, the guys from Tulane, Carolina, Texas. You get a little bit, you know, he's taking pictures with all the people there, and then all of a sudden, oh, who do we got a picture with here? Former North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora has shown up and will be sitting in attendance tonight during the presentation of Mac Brown to the Hall of Fame. Let me ask, what I mean, what were you thinking when you saw that picture? Because I know what I was thinking. Yeah, it was really like... I mean, how he, awkward was that conversation? When the boyfriend sees the, the ex-boyfriend or something like that, you know, it's just kind of like awkward. Larry, you know, I told you, he was looking rough. I mean, I you know, and that's understandable. Man lost his job. Is probably looking to find another job somewhere, no matter where it is. But yeah, it was just really one of those, like, it was nice to see that there's no hard feelings with that decision, but it's just like, you could... You could see the awkwardness in the photo. The wounds are still fresh, Larry. Yeah. Take some time, my man. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I got to admit, I saw that and I was just kind of like, all right, Larry just, Larry just braving it. So, uh, you know, good to see Larry at least getting, you know, back out there. Uh, you know, if he does end up at Florida State. You know, I wish him the best. You know, I, I don't hold any hard feelings against Larry, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on here. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see 
um, you know, where he ends up. I mean, I think for all Tario fans, we're saying, go, go, Larry, go get another job. Then we don't have to pay your buyout. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of inching them towards it, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing, but, uh, yeah, no, the staff addition so far for Carolina, uh, seemed pretty promising. And at this point, uh, it looks like Mike Sanford might be the guy. Now it will be interesting to see if Mike Sanford comes on. Does that mean he's also the quarterback's coach? Because with Graham Harrell, that was what you were going to get. He was going to coach, uh, the quarterbacks as well as call the offense. So it'll be interesting to see, but, um, with that, I think I think we'll move on. We'll talk about the guys that are departing from Carolina. We found this news out a little bit earlier in the week. Actually, Brandon Fritz was earlier yesterday. He was yesterday. And then, of course, Anthony Ratliff-Williams earlier in the week. I guess we'll start first with Brandon Fritz because he is transferring. On um, this one, a little bit of a shock. Guy that uh, I guess now we know for sure will get an extra year of eligibility due to the foot injury. Um, that he had, or ACL injury, excuse me, foot injury, ACL injury that he had um, earlier this year. He had uh, surgery on the left knee. Remember, before the season, we had heard if they were in contention for the Coastal, he was going to try to come back. But once he realized that they weren't, I think he just said, I'm going to sit out this, this year and I'll come back next year and, 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 you know, sort of have my senior season from there. Um, also, there were some rumors that he could end up taking a look at the NFL. Um, guys really liked his size there, his ability to go up and get the football. But instead, he announced yesterday that he will transfer, um, which means that the Tar Heels, as of right now, currently sit with just four um, scholarship tight ends. Actually, four tight ends on the entire roster because Jared Worley, the walk-on, um, has moved on uh, due to graduation. So, um, you know, I, I mean, you look, Carl Tucker's going to return, um, who actually, um, according to Pro Football Focus, they graded him out as the top tight end in the ACC. You know, a down year for ACC tight ends receiving-wise. Um, they really liked what Tucker did as a blocker as well. Uh, Jake Vargas, of course, as we saw, he had a great year towards the end of the year. Um, so those two guys seem to be the top guys. After that, of course, the experience drops off a little bit. Garrett Walston received some snaps. Throughout the years, uh, Noah Turner, very, very limited snaps. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, is there any concern from you with, with the Brandon Fritz transferring at the tight end position? Because I feel like a lot of people thought he was going to come in and have a pretty big impact. Um, is that maybe masked a little bit by Carl Tucker and Jake Vargas? Mainly Vargas's, uh, you know, what am I looking for here? Emergence. Man. Emergence. There we go. Yeah, I mean... I'm not going to say I'm worried um, because we don't know the role the Titans is going to play in the new offense. Mm -hmm. I was kind of shocked because you're bringing in a guy in Brewster who's going to coach your position, pretty well thought of as a coach as much as a recruiter, could maybe help you take your game to the next level. Um, but with, you know... You know, with that, I'm mean, always Brandon Fritz the best. Always oh, a guy. Yeah. You know, we've of met course. him at Meet the Heels. Good great guy. guy. Great guy. Loves, oh yeah. Loves the lo you know loved Carolina, the program, Chapel Hill, and all that. But you know, I, I think you can get enough from Tucker and Vargas to oh yeah to to you know replace his production. And also, you know, like I said, we don't know what the role of the tight end is going to play in this offense. We don't know if they're going to be more blockers, short you know receivers because we haven't really had a downfield threat since Eric Ebron. So. I think, you know, short term we should be able to to replace him and 
you know, that that might be a place long term where the, the the recruiting staff looks to get that kind of talent to to get more from that position. Well, they do also have a guy coming in in this class, uh, Kamari Morales, the tight end uh, out of uh, Florida. Not sh- I'm, I'm not sure where he's actually coming from in Florida, but he is out of the state of Florida. Very very talented tight end, um, and he's going to come in. He's going to be an early enrollee, so looks like he's probably going to have a pretty good impact as well. Um, you know, there's a chance that, that he could come in and, and really, you know, if he can jump out and maybe, you know, jump over Garrett Walston and Noah Turner, he could have a role in this offense next year. But, I, you know, I don't think that the Fritz loss is quite as big as it would have been prior to this past season in most people's minds. I feel like Tucker, you know, stepped up. The thing for Carl Tucker is really just staying healthy. He's had a lot of injury problems in his career, but so has Brandon Fritz. Brandon Fritz has not played a full season. He's missed at least three games in every single season. So, you know, a lot of injury problems for those guys. I really liked what Jake Vargas showed us, especially as a run blocker, which I think could be a huge part of the offense next year with the amount of talent that they have in the backfield. So, yeah, no, I I think, you know, ultimately it, it hurts a little bit to lose a guy that's as good of a red zone threat as Fritz was. I mean, we were hurting without that this year. Um, but at the same time, you know, guys like Carl Tucker Borges, maybe Garrett Walston steps up. We saw him a few times this year. They should help mask that loss, um, you know, going into next season. And, of course, yeah, as you said, we wish Brandon Fritz the best. We don't know where he's going. Who knows? He could be moving to the SEC or something like that. Maybe there is someone out there that really wants him that we just don't know about. Brandon Fritz could be playing for Alabama next year. We don't know. Um, that's that's a reach, guys. I, 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 don't, I don't know about that one, but... Um, You never really do know. So as always, you know, try to keep off of social media. Saw plenty of that, especially when guys were decommitting, um, where people are telling them, uh, I mean, there there were some really terrible comments that were made by a few people on Twitter. And look, it's it's their decision. Wish them the best and, and keep an eye on these guys. But, you know, don't, don't, please don't try to discourage these guys. They got to make decisions for themselves. You know, you would do the same thing if you were in their position. So um, the other guy that is leaving, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, a little bit of a different situation. He will go pro. And, you know, one of those decisions that I think some people were scratching their head over just a little bit. But ultimately, you know, when I went and looked, especially on uh, one of the most trusted sites now for draft coverage, the Draft Network, guys like Joe Marino, who is a big guy for the ACC. And this is a guy that I'm hoping to have on the podcast here sometime soon to talk about Anthony Ratliff-Williams and some of the other guys that will potentially be going to the NFL for the Tar Heels uh, come April. You know, when I when I look at Anthony Ratliff-Williams' draft stock, I, I'm a little bit shocked. He's still projected as a third-round pick. A lot of people like his ability to go up and get the football. They like his size. They like his uh, you know ability in open space. A guy that has good speed, very shifty as well. We saw that at times this season. Has the kick return ability. Special teams ability always helps you in the NFL draft process. So, you know, it looks like, while, you know, there were some things, guys, uh, you know, just reading some of the scouting reports on him, guys wanted him to work a little bit on his footwork, a little bit on his route running. I think those were some of the things that we saw him improve a little bit on this year. Those scouting reports were prior to this season. And now he ends up going pro. 
you know, when you look at it, I mean, from a perspective of a fan, you know, of course, we would have liked to see him back, the leading receiver the last two years at Carolina. But when you look at it, you know, what what was kind of your first reaction to Anthony Ratliff-Williams declaring for the NFL draft? I was shocked. I didn't think he was ready to go. I think he could still used another year refining his skills as a wide receiver considering he played quarterback in high school. Um, but like you said... You know, a lot of there's a lot of the people in the scouting community that think highly of him and what he could be in the NFL. At the end of the day, I'm not going to be mad that a kid's leaving to go make a go make money playing football. Um, you know, the the question is, is it, it it leads a void because we don't know who that guy on the outside could be on, on the offense because Daz Newsome figures to be a guy that you're going to put in the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, but. You know, as as a fan, like this wasn't like Elijah Hood, where like where he le- where he left and it didn't make any sense because he just didn't do enough the year he left to warrant going pro. Right. And you know, Ratliff Williams did a lot with a with a quarterback who didn't have an arm. If we're going to be brutally honest, Nathan Elliott's not good at doing what he does best, which is yeah, throwing he, the ball he down really the field and going to get the ball. Exactly. He really didn't set him up for a lot of success. No, I so, agree with that. You know, in some ways, you got to commend the, the the stats he put up because the one thing he's good at, or the his his trademark, which is I'm going to go downfield and I'm going to outfizzle you for the football. He couldn't do a game in game out, so you know he keeps it expanding his route tree, like you said, get better with his footwork, right? All this other stuff. This guy could be a legit receiver in the NFL for a you know for a team that as a second or third option. So I wish him the best of luck, and you know I'm not going to hold it against him. Yeah, no, I, and the thing I, you know, I like the most about him, something that I think we saw him improve on a lot this year was his ability in open space. I mean, we didn't really see him with the football in open space a lot a year ago. There were a lot of deep routes, and that was kind of what we thought he was going to be. We thought he was just this guy that could go up and get the football. He showed us a lot more this year. So I think, you know, as a third-round guy, people will take a flyer on this kid. Somebody's going to get him that really likes him. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's Philadelphia and Gunter Brewer ends up being reunited with him. You never really know, but it'll be interesting to see what he can be. And when you talk about wh- how they're going to fill that role, um, you know, it seems like at this point, Daz Newsom's going to be the slot guy. We know that. There's no question about that. Although Daz Newsom, if he needed to, I think could still play on the outside. Now, the thing about it is, is where do you go at the other two outside positions? I think Bo Corrales seems pretty locked in on the one outside spot. We saw that kind of as the season came to a close there. Really, once he got back on the field, especially in that game against Syracuse, you started to see him sort of take over that role. So I think, you know, with his ability to go up and get the football, and really, I mean, he, he's a, a very good route runner from what I've seen, too. Um, that's going to allow him to be very effective. The other position, I think it's probably, if we're just going on the guys that are returning, I think maybe a guy like Emery Simmons could could get himself into that battle as well, maybe even Choffrey Brown. But I think it's going to be Diami Brown as well as Rontavius Groves because when you look at Diami Brown, a guy that had 17 catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown this year, more of that volume possession guy, a guy that's going to, you know, catch the football, be, be that guy that can get you maybe, you know, eight to 10 yards if needed. He, he really thrives on getting the ball in his hands as much as possible. Whereas 
Toe Groves, who we all know, you know, from seeing him in, in the little bit that we have. I mean, look, this guy was not on the field that much this year. Um, I believe it was under 140 snaps, which is pretty low for a wide receiver. Um, and he put up, still had 10 catches, but the biggest thing, 10 catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Averages out to 18.3 yards and attempt. And that's kind of what we need. We have been lacking that deep threat. I, that's my guy to keep an eye on. If he can finally get fully healthy and put together a, a full season, I think that Toe Groves could be that guy to keep an eye on at that outside receiver position. But look, we know they've got plenty of guys that they can throw out there. So it will definitely be interesting. I think there will be some good battles in camp. And yeah, it hurts to see Anthony Ratliff-Williams go. But I think now, look, Daz Newsome, I think he's going to have a massive year next year. I mean, this could be a guy that could get near 1,000 yards receiving next year because he's going to know that he's got to step his game up with Anthony Ratliff-Williams being gone. So I think that's going to that's gonna do it. Uh, any, anything else you really want to touch on here before we, uh, we head out for this podcast? Nope, I'm good, bro. All right, man. So, yeah, as always, guys, want to thank you for listening to the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. You can subscribe to any of the show pages on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app. Of course, Carolina's next game still a long ways off, August 31st, against the South Carolina Gamecocks right here in Charlotte. You better believe that that environment is going to be a great one especially if the Heels can continue this momentum on the recruiting trail. As always, check out the blog, guys. Some great stuff going up there. Tonight, of course, I will be writing up the review of everything that happened today on the prospect front. Also, we'll try to get an article up about Jay Bateman's hiring as well. And, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on everything going on on the recruiting trail and coaching cares uh, as we get closer and closer to finding out what happens both on the uh, on both of those trails. So, guys, um, want to thank you guys for listening one more time, Josh, for being the co-host once again tonight. And as always, go Tar Heels. Ah!